Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Psalms. The Old Testament book of Psalms. And Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Of course, we'll be get back to our regular series on Sunday. But as for now, we're just taking a quick pit stop to be an encouragement to you. The theme of this year is the joy of the Lord is your strength. We understand that in trying days with the unknowns all around us that sometimes we can't trust in anything else. So how do we move on? By the joy of the Lord. Amen. By knowing who God is, knowing Him, and because we know Him, there's a joy in knowing Him, and that becomes our strength. Well, let me tell you, if there's one area of life that we need strength in, is dealing with the idea of lost one, lost loved ones. Loved ones that we're just not sure if they're going to heaven or hell. What do we do to comfort ourselves with those things? Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to show you a Bible promise to be an encouragement to you. And so turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Psalms. Psalm 126. For context's sake, we're going to get a, read the whole thing, but we're going to put our attention on the last two verses. Psalm 126, and if you don't mind, notice with me starting at verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. They that are he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark this promise that we find in Psalm 126 and verse 5. Psalm 126 and verse 5, they that sow in tears shall reap with joy. They that sow in tears shall reap with joy. And with the Lord's help, we want to hit this great soul winning passage. They that sow in tears shall reap with joy. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. I'm asking tonight that we would not just see your promise, but we would gather your heart. That we would learn of you and see the great heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that because of that, it would affect us. I'm asking, even before we preach this, that you would give us back our tears. That you would break our heart for souls. That you would give us a great burden for souls. Lord, with a message like this, I need your help. There's no way I can convey it in the state that I am at. 
It must be you. And so I'm dependent upon you tonight. For your people. For you to work. And I thank you in advance for what you're going to do for eternity's sake. Because of this message. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Sometimes we just think that soul winning is regulated to the New Testament. But you know some of the greatest soul winning passages are found in the Old Testament. This has always been the plan of God. And here in Psalm 126, we see this great promise. They that sow in tears shall reap with joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And if you don't mind, I'd like to break down this passage so that way we have no misunderstanding. We can see if we want to get a hold of this great promise, we have to understand what this verse gives to us so that way we can see this great rejoicing, this bringing our sheaves with us. If you don't mind, the first thing I'd like to bring to you is the compassion upon sinners. The compassion upon sinners. You know, there is a direct correlation between the, our tears of compassion and our winning of souls. There is a direct correlation. You cannot separate them. Maybe you could say, if you're going to use in math terms, that they are very much inversely proportional. That no tears, no reaping. Much tears, much reaping. We wonder why we don't see a lot of reaping today. Could it be that we've lost our tears? Someone may say, well, what's the big deal out of this? Why is this such a big deal in the first place? Well, that's a good question because that gets to the heart of the matter. How can we truly determine how close we are to God? How can we truly determine how right we are to God? By seeing if we have his heart. You understand, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He is not willing that any shall perish, but all shall come to repentance. He doesn't want to see a single person go to hell. So much that when he died on the cross, his blood was enough to pay for every sinner and every sin of the entire world. Every single person could be saved. You understand? One of the determinations to see how close we are to God is do we have His heart? And what is Christ's heartbeat? What is the heartbeat of Jesus Christ? Souls. Without a doubt, souls. Jesus was compassionate towards all sinners. He wanted to see a, every single one of them come to know him. And there were times that he would go out of his way to reach one. That's how much he was in love, heartbroken for souls. This is the emphasis here. The emphasis cannot be on our ability or what we can get accomplished. We can all mechanically do things. We can all mechanically force ourselves to do actions. We can all get in the habit of soul winning without any compassion with it. Instead, this is all about God. 
the more that you're with God, the more you get his heartbeat. You understand, having the heart of God is a heart for souls. What does that mean? It means that when we drive past neighborhoods, we don't see houses. We see souls whom for the Lord Jesus Christ died for. When we have the heart of God, we see the destination of these people. You understand, everyone you meet is going to one or two places. They're either going to heaven or they're going to an awful place called hell. You understand, we don't like the doctrine of hell. Now, I believe it's true because the Bible says so, but we don't like the doctrine of hell. What is hell? Hell's a place where real people go. And let me tell you, who goes to hell? Good people. I know that's not popular. Good people go there. Grandmothers go there. Parents go there. Teenagers go there. You say, why would good people go to hell? Because you understand, God can allow, cannot allow anything that's not perfect to go to the wonderful place called heaven. And because we're not perfect, there's only one other place to go. You understand, if we actually believed hell was real, and you say, I believe hell is real, may I challenge you that? Belief always affects behavior. Belief always affects behavior. You know what we like to do with the doctrine of hell? We like to put it in the back of our mind and bury it. Sure, I believe that the Bible says about hell. Do you believe that people go there? Sure. Who's going there? We don't like to think about that. But do you understand real people are going to hell? And not just foreign people in different countries. Your neighbor if they have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, is going to an awful place called hell. The gas station attendant that you saw this morning, if they did not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, is going to an awful place called hell. Your co-worker that you worked with today, if they do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, is going to an awful place called hell. Your loved one that you had dinner with, if they do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're going to an awful place called hell. Someone who may be in the church service right now, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, who has purposely forgiven you of your sins, you are going to an awful place called hell. Now, most of us, if we'll be honest, say, preacher, we don't want to talk about this. Let's change the subject. But do you understand? We have to talk about this. Why did Jesus come and die? Not just to bring us to heaven, but to keep us from going to that awful place called hell. This is where our compassion goes on. You see, it's, if it's just the idea, well, you're going to heaven or you're not, that doesn't break our heart. It just You missed out. But if it's the idea that people are going to a real heaven or they're going to a real hell, that should cause us to weep. To realize people we know are going to that real place. And one of the evidences 
that we are not right with God is because we don't weep for souls. Because we do not see Christ the way that he should be looked at. And we don't see heaven the way that we should look at. And we don't see hell the way that we should look at. And we don't see souls the way that we ought to look at it. To be close with God is to see souls as precious things that are either going to a real place called heaven or a real place called hell. If you knew that your loved one was going to that awful place called hell, wouldn't that break your heart? It's not something to be dried eye and shrug your shoulders and say, oh well. That is a heartbreaking thing. To think that your family members may be going there. And we wonder why sometimes they don't get saved. Is it because we've lost our tears? When's the last time you've wept and cried for sinners? When's the last time you've begged God to save someone's soul and you were serious for it? You know, if you truly believe this thing called hell and that they, could, that they don't have to go there, that's more than just a quick little bullet point, God save my sister. You understand, if you truly believe that your sister was going to that awful place called hell, that should be enough for us to say, God, do whatever it takes so they don't have to go. Lord, do whatever it takes. Send someone by that she'll listen to. Soften her heart. Please, Lord, don't let her go to that awful place called hell. And we've lost our tears. We've become so cold-hearted towards this. What about families or people that we don't know? Everyone we meet on the street is going somewhere forever. And God cares for those people more than we ever could. And we've lost our tears. We've lost our tears. God is waiting for our heart to be broken enough that we actually spend time in prayer and say, God, please save them. God, do a work. God, please do this. We have lost our tears. We've lost our compassion. We've lost our heart for God. And then we wonder, why aren't people getting saved? You understand, God made a promise here. What changes a church where we start seeing people saved all the time. What changes a church where we're having the baptism waters every week to see those people who have accepted Christ as their Savior follow the next step? When church gets brokenhearted, when the people of the church get on their knees and start praying in tears, Lord, save sinners. God, please don't let someone go to that awful place called hell. You understand hell is such a reality. This is old statistics, but they're still scary enough. It's worse than this now. But every two seconds, three people die and go to an awful place called hell. Every two seconds, three people go to that awful place. And we don't care. We're not moved 
It doesn't bother us. And we wonder how come people aren't getting saved. They that sow in tears. He that goeth forth and weepeth. You understand? We've lost our tears. We've lost our compassion. We've lost the heart of God. And it's been replaced with something that is dry and cold and stone. They that sow in tears. Not only do we have this principle here of sowing in tears, having the idea of having compassion upon sinners, but we also see the command to go. The command to go. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 6. He that goeth. You understand part of, the t uh, part of the Great Commission, Jesus said, Go ye therefore. You know, that's a command. And it's a command to action. We have to go. No harvest ever comes if you don't plant the seed. You could take a barren patch of gra ground and you could stare at it. And you could even pray for it. But it won't grow until you go. If we want to see people to come know Jesus Christ as their Savior and have forgiveness of sins, then we must go on purpose to tell someone about the Lord. You understand, we can schedule times of soul winning. But to truly have the heart of God requires us to be a faithful witness. What is a faithful witness? Taking advantage of every divine opportunity that God places in our path. You say, well, I'm at Walmart and I'm behind the guy, girl in line and they just won't go forward. That's a divine opportunity. God has placed you there on purpose. Take a track. Give it to them. Begin to talk with them. Talk with them. God puts divine opportunities. You think of them sometimes as obstacles. Things in your path to ruin your day. And God says, I'm putting them here on purpose for you to witness to. To go soul winning means that we on purpose go soul winning. And we need to do that. But we also at the same time need to be faithful witnesses. Ready to talk to people on unscheduled days. Seeing the heart of God. This is part of it. Seeing sinners everywhere. And realizing that someone needs to tell them the truth. Someone needs to tell them the good news that they can have forgiveness of their sins. We must go about and tell people about the Savior. You know, people over always had the notion that they want all the benefits and rewards of God without the work. Soul winning is work. Soul winning can be hard and it can be incontinent. But our going will be a lot more effective and much more desirable if we've already been in our faces before we go out. Let me tell you how soul winning works. God rewards it. Sometimes we'll go knocking on doors and nobody will care. They'll yell at us. But you know, because we've been faithful, God will often bring other people to church that we never even visited that week. Amen. Why does God do that? Because he wants us to show that he blesses obedience, not the results. Meaning that 
if you go out for results, then you're going for the wrong motive. We're going out to be obedient to him. And we'll be much more effective if we have his heart. If we spent time praying. Imagine how soul winning would be different for you. If you spent time in your Bible. And spent time praying. And say God please do something. God please I want to see someone get saved. Lord I want someone to bow their head. And have that desire to see someone come to know Christ. Do you think that if you prayed that way. God would put someone on your, in your path on purpose. Absolutely. He will. He will. But he's looking for someone who's usable and has his heart. We understand that it starts off that we have to have compassion for souls. That we also see the command to go. But there's something else that's found in this text here. And it's the precious seed. It's the precious seed. Notice with me here it says in verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth. Notice this. Bearing precious seed. You understand there is a proper seed that must be planted in order for people to come to know Christ as their Savior. What is this seed? Well, let's see what the Bible has to say. Hold your finger here. We're turning back to it. But look with me in the book of 1 Peter chapter number 1. The book of 1 Peter in chapter number 1. First Peter chapter number one, the Bible defines what this seed is. What is this seed? He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. What is this seed? First Peter chapter one, notice with me in verse 23. First Peter chapter one and verse 23. It says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. So what is this? By the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. What is this seed? It's the word of God. Now understand, this is important. We must give them the word of God. Nobody can ever be saved outside of the word of God. Many times there are people who are good talkers. They could get a good conversation going with anyone. And you could even talk to them about church. You could talk to them about wonderful things, about pretty, pretty flowers or the weather. But until you get around to telling them about the word of God, it's to no effect. They must hear the word of God. Even if it's a track. You know how many times I've seen someone come to know Jesus Christ because someone left a track on their door that they opened it up and they read it for themselves? What are they reading? The word of God. Maybe you're at work and you don't happen to have a Bible that you carry around like pastor does. But you've memorized some scripture. You could tell them about the word of God. You're giving the word of God. They cannot be saved outside of the word of God. But we have to give them the word of God. This is the seed that must go. Remember God said his word will never return void. But it will accomplish that what God sent it forth to do. They must have the word of God. Sometimes it's just planting the seed. But it will be amazed to see what God can do to make that thing sprout and grow. What God can do to make that thing work years later. 
I'm trying to refrain from telling too many soul winning stories because this will make my sermon about an hour long. But maybe I could throw in a couple. There was a man during the civil rights riots. <laughs> he was a big biker. An awful biker. And one of the worst gangs. And he had a civil rights preacher come up and try to tell him about the word of God. And he looked at him and said, if you ever talk to me about the word of God again, I'll kill you. And he meant it. 30 years passed. And every once in a while, that would kind of spring up again. And someone opened up the Bible 30 years later. And you know what? He was ready to receive the word of God then. And he got saved and became a preacher. And actually traveled the country as the Bible memorization man. He could get up and just take the book of Revelation. And just stand here and quote it from scripture. And do it in about 10 minutes time. The entire book. Take the book of Philippians about 3 minutes time. Just stand up and just quote. He just be, Isn't that amazing? I mean a biker who killed people murdered people. He was that type of biker. And someone witnessed to him, gave him the word of God. 30 years later, it sprang fruit. You understand? It's the word of God that must go out. It's not my thoughts, my cute little stories. It's the word of God that affects lives. And you say, well, it doesn't seem like anything's happening. If you're giving the word of God out, I don't care if nobody's answering doors and you just put a track on the door, God will do something with it because it's the word of God. We must on purpose give people the word of God and trust that God's going to do his part. It's not dependent on us anyways. We can't save anybody. God does and he does it through his word. This should help us to be faithful that we're just giving the word of God out. Just give them the word of God. Tell them the word of God. We understand we should be folksy and get a conversation going. And if we have to talk about that, that's a baby and talk about their baby until we can get to That's fine. There's nothing wrong with getting a conversation. But let me tell you, there are real people going to an awful place called hell. And our cute stories don't save them. It's the word of God that they need. They need to get the word of God. You say, what if they don't accept it? Trust God to do a work. We could trust God. Again, it's amazing to see how many people throughout the years that we've met. Maybe you heard of, um, of this account. There was a guy in one of the Indonesian islands. I think it was Indonesia. And he worked at a port where a lot of sailors came through. Maybe not, it wasn't Indonesia. But he was working a port and he was known <coughs> for passing out tracts to all the sailors. And he would pass out tracts and whatnot. And there was a preacher who got one of those tracts. He got saved after reading it, happened to find a good church, became a great preacher. And while he was preaching out, he was given his testimony and someone came to him and said, you know what, that same guy gave me a tract when I was in that port. And I got saved. And so they started a network of trying to find, and they found hundreds of people who came to know Jesus Christ because that guy was passing out tracts. 
Well, the preacher got so burdened, he says, I want to go back and thank this guy. I'm going to see if I can find him. And years had passed by now. He goes, I don't even know if the guy's still alive. But he went to that port and he went to go find the guy. And he started asking around, hey, you guys remember a little guy who came and passed out trash? Oh yeah, we know that guy. We know that guy. He's, he's old now. He doesn't get out much, but he, he lives over there. So the preacher said, oh, that's great. So he went to his house and talked to the guy. And he said, you know, one day you passed me out a track and and I just want to come back and thank you. And I'm sure that you have tons of people who have come back and who have thanked you so much. And he says, no, you're the first. Hundreds of people, they had got together and they had found all across the world who had gotten saved because he gave them a track. And here he is, 80, 90 years old, and only one person had ever told him that any of his work had ever produced fruit. Again, I'm trying to tell you, you do not know what God will do just because you pass out a track. By the way, that's just the start. Let God's word do a work. Get the word of God anywhere. Put it in your bills. You pay your electric bill as long as that's on time. Put a track in it. They need to get saved. You say, well, I got these people calling you. Hey, you know why those people are calling you? Because God wants you to witness to them. Amen. Hey, do you want Spectrum? We got a great deal. Hey, you asking some good questions. Can I ask you a question first? Are you 100% sure if you die today, go to heaven? They'll either listen or hang up. <laughs> I've led several of those people to the Lord. Some of them, it's been like this. Hey, I can't talk about that right now, but... I would love to hear more. I give you permission to call me after work. And they did. And was able to talk to them and get them a good church wherever they were at. It happens. Why? The word of God. You know, so many people, God is preparing them. And there's a window that they're only prepared for. Just a small amount of window. We need to reach them now. We need to reach them now. And it's the word of God, the precious seed... They that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. Let me show you one last thing as we turn back to Psalm 126. Psalm 126. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. They that goeth forth and bearing precious seed shall doubtless. Notice this. In verse number four or five, they that sow in tears shall. Notice that word shall. That means it's a positive. That means it's going to happen. It doesn't say they that sow in tears might reap with joy. This is a promise. Notice with me in verse number six, and I want to show you this, the doubtless harvest. The doubtless harvest. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless. That word doubtless, in case you needed a definition, means without a doubt. Shall doubtless, without a doubt, come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. God made a promise that if you get the heart of God and you have compassion of souls like you ought, and you go and bear that precious seed, without a doubt, God promised, shall doubtless Come again rejoicing, bringing their sheaves with you. By the way, let me also tie in that rejoicing. Why is there great rejoicing? 
because of the great tears. You know why there's not great rejoicing that people get saved today? There's no tears. You know what most church services are like if someone gets saved? All right? Preacher preaches. Gives the invitation. People stand up. Piano begins to play. Someone comes down and they legitimately need to get saved. The pastor starts working with them. And the congregation's like, will he hurry up? Not another one. I got a roast on. That's what most churches are like. It's an inconvenience that someone's getting saved. That someone's being dealt with. That someone's getting right. And it's proof that our priorities are wrong. You understand when we've been praying for souls and looking forward to God doing. When someone gets saved, there's a shout! There's something about it. Let me tell you, it is more exciting than Aaron Rodgers throwing a touchdown. It's more exciting than any sport that's going on. Here is someone that's been rescued from the burning. They're no longer going to that awful place called hell. They're going to heaven! Why don't we have rejoicing? Because we haven't done the tearing. We haven't done the weeping. We've lost our tears. And now it's not a big deal if people get saved. Oh well, good for them. We've lost our heart. It's evidence that we're not right with God. And we wonder why revival doesn't happen. Because we don't have his heart. Let me ask you, we've been talking a lot about revival in the last couple of weeks. Why should God give us revival if we won't do his work? Why would God give us revival so others can get saved? Revival is for God's people to get new life. That's what revival is. Life again. So more people can be reached. He wants us to be vessels on fire wanting to go out. If we don't have this heart, we don't have this compassion, we are empty vessels, unusable, until we get this compassion in this heart. You understand? God made a great promise here. Now, this is encouraging because we have, every single one of us, have loved ones who are not saved. Every single one of us, God made a promise. If we got on our faces with tears and just begged and gave them the word of God, God said, doubtless, come again. It may be that someone else leads them to the Lord, but God said, doubtless, we're going to see people come to save. This is the encouragement. This is the hope. But it won't come without our tears. Again, I ask a question I asked at the beginning. When is the last time you went to the throne room of grace and begged for someone's soul? That you said, God, please do whatever it takes to save them. Tears coming. One of the problems that we don't have revival is that our altars don't have tear stains on it anymore. We've got to the place where we're ashamed of our tears. You want to see revival break out in a church when you have the church that's weeping. Not crocodile tears, not little fake things. Brokenness for souls. Weeping for souls. 
we'll see a doubtless harvest. That's the difference. And this is the promise. What will make this church different than any other church? Only when we get our tears back. Only when we have a compassion for souls. Only when we get to the place to say this is the only way they're going to get saved is if they hear the word of God. And we look and we expect and we obey. God said doubtless. Doubtless. That's a promise. That's a mark it down. We could trust God's word. We should without a doubt bring our sheaves with us with joy. Again, I'm going to ask the question and I ask it of me. One of the things I've been so broken hearted on myself, looking at myself my lack of tears there was a time I'd weep for tears there was a time that I just couldn't wait to go out there my own heart has dried up over the years one excuse after another is as good as others the result is that I've lost my tears I'm guilty of this and if I'm guilty of this How in the world can we encourage others to have the tears if I don't have it either? I'm just telling you I'm disgusted in my own self knowing where I stand that I'm not as right with God as I ought to be. So I've lost my tears. One of the things especially leading up to here is I've been begging God, give me my tears back. Give me my tears back. I'm hoping that you would join me in praying that we collectively as a church will be broken for souls again. Broken. The idea that all these people are dying and going to hell. And we have what they need. We need to get to the place where we're rejoicing over souls. That we're looking for it. We're aching for it. We're drooling for it. Begging for it. I want to see someone get saved. I want to see someone get saved. I can't wait. Maybe, perchance, you are legitimately born again. You know without a doubt that you're going to heaven. And you've never won someone to the Lord. You've never had the privilege yourself to open up the Bible. And from the Bible, explain to someone that they're a sinner. And because of their sin, that they, that they offended a holy, righteous God. And they deserve to go to hell. And you explain them from the Bible that God loved them. And they, they don't have to go if they would just accept that gift. If you've never had the privilege of doing that, maybe tonight, that's your first step saying, God... I want to win my first soul to the Lord. Make that your prayer. I want to see my first soul to the Lord. Let me tell you, soul winning gets addicting. You think drugs are addicting. You start seeing people come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and there's nothing like it. Maybe that's your first step. Say, Lord, I want to see my first. I want to see my first. For those who have been for a while. And you could tell that your heart's been distant. We got used to being saved. It's no longer a big deal that I'm not going to hell. It's been such a long time. I don't even think that I deserve to go to hell anymore. And Christians could get to that place. You no longer realize what you were rescued from. It's part of the reason why our heart's so cold and dusty. It's because we don't remember that we were wretches deserving of the burning too. Maybe we just need to go back to the foot of the cross and realize 
I don't deserve this. And because I don't deserve it, it was only by God's grace. And that person over there doesn't deserve it. But God gave them grace too, and they need to have it. We need to get our tears back. So what I'm asking tonight, no piano tonight. Let's get to the place. Let's just ask God tonight for tears. I understand that some of you, that may be just a dry thing. Lord, pastor says we need to have tears, and I'm not even close. Well, I'm not trying to get you to manufacture, but maybe we just be honest with God and say, God, I don't have tears. I don't have it. Give me a heart for soul. Maybe some of you, you could feel it crack just a little bit. And you know that it's not where it should, but it's cracked. So Lord, break that heart. Let me see souls the way that you see them. Maybe it's the fact that you're so far away from God, you don't even have the heart of God. Maybe it's the idea that, Lord, help me to be so close to you that I see people the way that you see them. But tonight, let's not rush this prayer time. Take your time. And let's beg God for tears. Again, it may not happen tonight. But it needs to happen. And we have to take the start by at least admitting, I don't have tears. Help me to have a tear for souls. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.